Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Good morning once again. Uh, my name's Ryan. If, if you didn't catch that last week, that's probably my fault. But I'm a student pastor over on the other side of the building. I work with the middle schoolers and high schoolers, and um, I'm just uh, honored and privileged to get to be here and share with you guys again this morning. Brett will be back next week um, with us, and um, this morning... Um, I want to start off with kind of a, a funny story now. It wasn't so much at the time. So this, uh, this is a shirt. This is my shirt. I've outgrown the shirt. Otherwise, I'd have just worn it today. But a few years ago, when I first started beekeeping, our secretary at the time, her name was Parley. She's since retired. Um, but she got me the shirt. If you can't read it from where you're sitting, it just says, I'm a beekeeper. If you see me running, you should probably run too. Right? And... So when she got me that shirt, I thought, oh, that's a cool shirt, and I've, I've worn it, and, um, uh, and now I actually have a story that goes with the shirt. So a couple years ago, um, I, at, at, at my hive at, at home, um, so I, I'm a gardener, I grow lots of, you know, I grow a pretty big garden, and one of the things I love to grow are the big giant sunflowers, uh, uh, sunflowers, the ones that get 10, 12 feet tall, and the heads on the sunflowers will get that big, and um, we also have chickens, so we can, you know, they love to eat the sunflowers, but I love to take some, and you can roast them, and um, so that's fun. So that's why I, I grow them, but so the bees get them, and the chickens get them, and Ryan gets them, but um, we had a student living with us. His name was Johnny for a, a little while, and uh, I recruited Johnny's help to come out uh, on a particular Saturday, and, and I had harvested all of the sunflower heads, so there, I had at least a dozen in a in a wheelbarrow, and um, I had Johnny set up on a, a patio on the east side of our house, shucking the seeds off the sunflowers into a bucket. And once I got him set up, and he was happy to help do that, I got him set up doing that. About 30 yards away is my, my beehive, and I, um, I had a beekeeper one time tell me, you know, keeping bees is, they're like little kids. You, you need to take care of them. I mean, so if you're going to be a beekeeper, there's a job that you have. Um, to set the bees up for success there's some things that you got to do and one of those things is to do hive inspections at different times throughout the season just to poke your head in there and make sure that everything is the way it's supposed to be and that they're thriving and healthy and so this particular day once I got Johnny set up I'm like I'm gonna get suited up and go out and do a hive inspection and so I was my last week I came out in my my bee jacket that's got the built-in veil that's a nice setup when I first started I was doing it on the cheap I had went to Menards and bought a white paint suit one of the disposable things for a couple bucks and then I had a veil that came down to your shoulders and you cinched it up and and then some gloves and that's so I, I got I got that stuff put on I go out to the hive and so the I, well, I wanted to get down here into the brood chamber and try to find the queen and just take a look at her laying pattern and just make sure that everything's on the up and up. The box that sits on top of that last week, I told you, is the, the honey chamber. And it's a box that's this size. And if it, at the end of summer, it, it should be full. And it, it could be 60 or 70 pounds. So it's pretty heavy when you're picking up a, a box like this. You gotta pick it up and you gotta move and set it, be able to set it down somewhere. So that's what, that was my goal. So I got everything, got my smoker going, I, I get it picked up, and I go to turn, and I realize there's a frame from the bottom 
the brood chamber that's sticking to the, the honey chamber box, and it's preventing me from, so I'm like, oh no. So I set it back down, and now the bees are a little agitated because I've cracked open the hive, and they, they fly up into your face. But I've got my mask on, so it's no big deal. Um, so I'm like, what am I going to do? So I decide, I think I need to pick it up again and give it a little twist. That should free that frame. It'll drop down, and then I can take that and set it down, and then I can do my hive inspection. So I pick it up again, you know, muscle up, and as soon as I, I, as soon as I go to do the twist, I look down in, in my veil. Something caught my attention. There was at least two bees inside my veil. That's what I said. I opened my mouth and a bee flew into my mouth. So now I'm holding 60 pounds, you know, spitting, and got the bee out of my mouth, didn't get stung, and got the box set down. But now I'm getting stung on my nose, I got stung on my head a time or two, and I don't know how many bees are in my veil, but I'm running. Like, and I'm throwing my equipment, I'm, sh- I'm you know, bee, you can, the bees are all around you, so I'm swatting, and I take off running, and I run by Johnny sitting over on the patio, and he, he stops what he's doing, he looks up at me, and he just watches. Not, not a, hey, Ryan, are you okay? Do you need any help? What are you doing running? You know, none of that. He just kind of, I notice him, and he notices me, and, and I keep running out about 100 yards away. I finally got far enough away where they weren't swarming my head anymore. And, but I've got one on me somewhere. I can hear it buzzing, but I, I don't know where it is. I can't, because it's somewhere up in here, and I can't see it, so I don't want to smush it, you know, because I don't want to get stung again. So I, I circle back around to Johnny, and I'm like, Johnny, there's a bee on me. Can you, can you see it? And as soon as I said that, that bee came off of me and went right after him, and he was gone. He took <laughs> off. He ran into the house, and that was the last I saw Johnny. He did not finish the sunflowers because he was not coming out and doing that. Right, and so if I, last week I did the communion meditation out at the beehive, and we were, Shelby was setting up the cameras, and I just, I told her, like no joke, if I take off running, you run too. Don't ask questions. I'll explain later. Just run, right? And so fortunately that didn't happen, and we because we weren't getting into the hive and messing with it, and they're usually okay with that, with you with you being around. So. Anyway, if you're ever around a beekeeper and they take off, just run. Just know you got to run. Now, we started this last week. We're looking at um, some ways that honeybees can teach us about God and our faith. And there's some things that, that bees do that um, can, we can learn from and, and might remind us of our, of our Christianity. So we gave five points last week. We're, we've got five more for you this morning. Point number one this morning is to get, bees give their allegiance to one ruler and one ruler only. There can only be one queen in a hive. Always. Um, if the current queen gets a little sick or something is wrong with her, they'll take some of the eggs that she has already laid and, and, and turn them into queen cells. And they usually, it's, the, it's uh, the power of redundancy. They usually don't just raise one queen, new potential queen. They, they get five or six or, or seven or eight or whatever. And the first queen that will emerge from her little cell will track down all of the other queen cells and sting those queens to death. If two queens emerge at the same time, they find each other and they battle it out and, you know, whoever wins becomes the queen, okay? So there can only be one queen always 
And um, for us, I would say this this morning, we, we each have what I'm going to call a God slot in our lives. It's, and we're either going to fill this God slot that we have in our lives with Jesus or some kind of an idol. And now idolatry is not always golden calves and you know, throwing your, your children through the fire, that kind of thing. It can be as simple, an idol in your life can be as simple as overeating or smoking or drinking or uh, an addiction to maybe social media, too, too much pinning on Pinterest or something like that. And we take this thing and make it preeminent or supreme in our lives and, and that's, the, that's the place and role of Jesus but we filled it with something else. And we're, we're made to serve one ruler, and that's what we'll do ultimately. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall have no other gods before me. God teaching his people from, from basically the very beginning, I am God, you are not, nothing else is, I'm the only thing that fills that role in your life, don't put anything else there. And, Last week for one of our points, I gave this scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, where Paul is encouraging the church in Corinth, and he says, hey, follow my example, church, as I follow Christ, right? And so in my, just in my own personal life, I, I, I want you know, God to have that role. Sometimes I get off track. And the, th- the thing that I love, one of the things that I love about the church is the role that you guys play, community, in keeping me accountable, in encouraging me when I've gotten off track a little bit. Hey, Ryan, come back, follow me as I'm following Jesus. If you see me following Christ, hey, you come follow too, right? And I, I need that. You guys need that. Um, hopefully you find that here. It's one of the reasons why we highly value um, small groups because we get you connected to a group of people that can um, become your friends and become this type of community that that we all need in an effort to have no other gods in our life, okay? So that's point number one. If you see me running towards Christ, you should run that way too. Point number two, honeybees live to serve. Honeybees live to serve. Um, Baby bees, when they they first emerge out of their little cocoons and and, and they're brand new baby bees, they have a role to play. They become nurse bees. They take care of the queen. They take care of cleaning the inside of the hive. That's their role. Worker bees go out and gather pollen and nectar and bring that stuff back uh, for food for the rest of the colony. Guard bees are protecting the entrance to the hive at all times. Um, Drone bees actually will give their life. Drones, last week we discovered, only have one job. The drones are the males. Their only job is to mate with a virgin queen. Once they mate with a virgin queen, the queen is... She's got all of the eggs and and sperm that she needs to last her lifetime. So she goes on that one mating flight, and then she's done. When a drone mates with the queen, he dies. That's his only job. Um, And they all are working in service to the health of the the, the colony there. 1 Corinthians, this is our... uh, uh, one of my, we have a motto in student ministry. It's that you are never more like Jesus than when you serve. You're never more like Jesus than when you serve. If you think about that statement, that's pretty true. Jesus left heaven, came to earth to serve humans. Teach us, um, heal us when we were sick, 
model for us life, washed the disciples' feet, ultimately died on a cross, and ser- he was serving us through, through all of that. You're never more like Jesus than when you serve. We take that motto and we put it, it's on the wall in the youth room, we put it on t-shirts. You know, it's, it's fun and easy to say. It's fun to get the kids to repeat that back to me. I've been quoted, which is awesome, um, humbling when they do that. Um, but our verse, that so our, our group is called the Under Rowers, which is kind of a, it's a little bit of a strange name. Pastor Brett named that group a long time ago when he was the student pastor. And that verse, that word, Under Rowers, comes from the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, this is, our youth group's theme verse, and this is Paul again, he says, this then is how you ought to regard us, and the us here he's talking about are Christians. When you think about Christians, regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries that God has revealed. So the English word that gets translated to servant right there is actually the literal translation is under rower. It's a Greek word, hyperites or huperete, I think is actually how you would pronounce it in the Greek. But it, get, it, it literally translates to under rower. Okay, well, what's an under rower? And we put that on t-shirts and, and our youth group's called that. And, and when ki- our kids will wear those shirts out in the public, sometimes they get asked, what's an under rower? And so I teach that, this a lesson about what is an under rower once a year for them over there. Um, it literally... Paul says, hey, when you think about us, think about us as an underrower or a slave of Christ. Back in the first century, there were trireme galley ships that you would have, if you were anywhere near the Mediterranean rim, you would have seen these ships out on the water. If you've seen either iteration of the movie Ben-Hur, the old version with Charlton Heston, they remade it a few years ago with some new actors and modern you know, CGI effects, which is, both movies are great. If you've never seen Ben-Hur, take, take some time and watch it. But there's a scene in that movie where they actually show you um, under rowers, the, these galley slaves. They're, they're the slaves that are down underneath working the, uh, the oars. And there could be 100, 150 uh, men that would have been down working as slaves. That was their only job, row, you know, push, push and pull the oar. You're a slave. You just do what we tell you to do. And Paul says, hey, when you regard us, regard us as servants of Christ, as those entrusted with the mysteries that God has revealed, bees will give their lives in service to their kingdom. Christians are called to the same thing, to give our lives in service to our kingdom. You're never more like Jesus than when you serve. Number three, bees are ready to give their lives for a cause. Bees are ready to give their lives for a cause. So uh, there's a thing called robber bees, and it happens in late summer, early fall. There's not a lot of nectar and pollen-producing uh, flowers that the bees can get. There are some, but it's not, they're not as abundant as it is in the spring and early summer months. Um, and so if a honeybee from another colony happens by uh, a, a beehive like this or even just a natural one up in a tree... They, it, if you've ever been around a, a beehive, they, they put off a sweet smell. And the bees um, can pick up on that. And if they find another colony, they'll try to weasel their way in. They'll show up with a little gift of some pollen for the guard bees. And what they're trying to do is get into the hive where they can get access to the honey reserves. And if they can get in, um, they'll get some and they'll take it back to their beehive. And then they'll do a little dance like, hey, I found, some, I found the buffet. Come with me. And they bring all the other worker bees 
out to this hive, and I've seen this happen in my own hives where you, if you come out in a late summer day and there's a lot of activity, uh, it, it's a clue that, some, that robber bees are there. And if you, st- if you just stand back and look, what you'll see is bees are fighting. And they're some, they'll be on the lip, they'll be down on the ground, they'll be in the air, tangled up, and they're stinging each other. Robber bees have come and they're trying to steal the honey. The only way to um, kind of help robber bees is this is called an entrance reducer. In the summertime, I, most beekeepers will leave the front of their hive open all the way, but you can put an entrance reducer in and shrink down. Normally in this slot, there's a little mason jar with some water or sugar water, so that part's blocked up. And you reduce the entrance down, and I can actually even reduce it down to just about an inch wide. That's all they need. But what that does is help them defend. It, it just gives them a smaller space to defend when these robber bees show up and try to steal their honey. And, and it's kind of sad because you'll see a pile of bees, you know, dead bees down on the ground. And some of them are your bees and some of them are the bees that are trying to steal. But you're just like, oh my goodness, you know, all these dead bees. And um, so it's kind of sad when you see it. But they've, they've given their, they're ready to give their lives to protect what's going on inside their hive and for us this morning if I asked you guys this question what would you die for what would be your answer what would you die for what's your honest gut deep first reaction response that rolls smoothly off your tongue I'll be honest I I don't know what my answer would be but I want it to be Jesus right I I I want it to be Jesus don't you like I I want to be willing like the apostles did to die for him. We, we have pretty solid evidence. So Jesus chose the, the, the 12 original apostles to follow him. We have pretty solid evidence, about seven or eight of them, that they were martyred, uh, meaning they were killed for preaching the name of Jesus. They gave their lives in service to their king. And um, I, I, I want, you know, I've never had this scenario, and I hope I never do, where, you know, the gun's at your head and make a decision. Something else or Christ, right? And I, I, but I want my answer to be Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 13 says this, that greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. We're called, commanded, to give our lives for one another. The people sitting in this room, but our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world, right? We're called to give our lives to other Christians. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. The answer is easy if it's your family member, spouse, or one of your kids, right? I would die for them. But what, if, what about the person sitting three rows in front of you or three rows behind you? Would you be willing to die for them? I don't know, but I want to. I want to say yes to that. We can do that. Let's hold each other accountable to that, okay? Number four, work together for the common good. Bees work together for the common good. Um, Bees have a number of natural predators. Uh, In a weak hive, predators will thrive. So dozens of bees can get eaten by lizards or birds. Um, We talked last week about mice can get up in here. Um, There are certain beetles that that will get up into a hive and make, make a home or um, there's a moth called a wax moth that will, will find a hive and, um, and make a home in there. There are mites, varroa mites, that, 
um, can get in and, and weaken, a, weaken a colony. And they have lots of predators or even parasites that live off them. And um, at, at that point, the bees are very dependent upon the beekeeper to help take care of the hive and the, and the pests. Like I said, the, I had a beekeeper tell me one time, bees are just like a little kid. You got you to gotta do some things to take care of them. If you're going to be a beekeeper and, and have hives, you gotta, there's some work that's involved. Not a ton, but there's a little bit of work that sets the bees up for success. If, if, this, if the enemies show up in a weak hive, it, it, can, it can destroy the hive. The bees eventually will just, if it becomes an unsuitable place to live because of beetles or whatever, moss, they'll, they'll pack up and leave and go find a new home. Um, but when a hive gets strong enough, the bees can defend themselves. And uh, they will attack anything in there that doesn't belong. They're strong enough to kill the lizard. I talked last week about stinging a mouse to death and then entombing it in the, the stuff called the propolis. Um, I've even heard a story of bees killing a cow. You know, if it, somehow a cow got too close to the hive. And cow is a huge animal. And, but, you know, a couple thousand bee stings and that's, that's enough. One, one, one little bee stings, no big deal. But a, but a whole hive of bees is a lethal weapon right and all those bees are in there working towards the common good our verse for this one is first corinthians chapter 1 verse 10 paul says i appeal to you brothers and sisters in the name of our lord jesus christ that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought okay okay paul that's real easy to do right there that there be no divisions among you and that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. All right, so this is, this is hard to do, right? But it doesn't mean it's impossible. And what would it look like in this community, Cross Lane Community Church in, in, in Terre Haute and the Wabash Valley, if we were all unified and working towards the same goal? Okay, well, the first question we have to answer is, well, what is our goal? Right? As, as Christians... Uh, I think there's two verses I'll give you for this one. First one is the, the greatest commandment. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 39. He says, uh, he's asked this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? They've got all these laws that God had given them and that they had, some of them they had made for themselves and they're trying to trip him up. And, okay, Jesus, of all these laws we have, which one's the greatest? Which one's the, like the most important? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So that's a pretty good place to start. Loving God, loving your neighbor. And then I would throw in the Great Commission with this one. At the end of the book of Matthew where Jesus tells his disciples, go into the world, the whole world, and make disciples. Teaching them everything that I have taught you and then baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, loving God, loving people, and going into the world and telling people about Jesus. That, so that's our goal. I think that's a pretty good biblical, that's our calling. As Christians, this is what we're supposed to be about. So how do we get perfectly united in mind and thought, working towards that goal? Well, this takes us to point number five. Teamwork produces a golden treasure. For the bees, when they're working together, they make honey. 
and it's such a sweet treat um, that, that this is when you get all of these bees in a hive working together, they make honey that we get to go in and steal and enjoy for ourselves. That's their treasure, but really it's their life. You know, they need, it's, it's what they've worked all spring and summer for is to store up enough of that to be able to live through the, the winter months and, until the next spring bloom. This is fascinating. One pound of honey takes 10,000 bees, approximately traveling 75,000 miles, visiting up to 8 million flowers. Somebody counted. It wasn't me. Somebody did the math on this, which is just an amazing one pound of honey. Now, I don't know. There's, there's three or four pounds of honey right there probably. 10,000 bees traveling 75,000 miles up to 8 million flowers just to get a pound of honey. That's a lot of work, but it produces such a sweet, sweet treasure. For us, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, we talked last week about knowing what your kingdom role is. Like we've all been gifted in unique, specific ways. And it's, it's, it's our job, it's incumbent upon us to figure out what those ways are and then use those giftings towards the kingdom of heaven. We're slaves of Christ. He's gifted us. We're going to use those gifts in service to our king and our kingdom. And we need you to do that. We, and if you've not, I would just take this moment to encourage you, if you've not seen Tracy or one of the other staff members and and if you've been coming to Cross Lane for a while and you've you're not kind of pitching in with us just yet you've just been checking us out on on Sunday mornings and maybe you've not joined a small group or you're not volunteering on a team of people somewhere we would highly encourage you to do that there's something for everybody to be involved with and use your gifts in, in service to the king and the kingdom but we don't do it for treasures here on earth we don't do it for applause we don't do it so pastor Brad will come up and say, yeah, you're awesome. You did a great job. It's nice when we get accolades like that, right? We, you know, we want to be thanked for the work that we do, but that's not, why we're, that's not why we're doing it. We're not storing up our treasures here on earth. Jesus says, hey, when, when, you, when you work in service to the king, you're storing up treasures in heaven. I can't wait to, to get up to heaven and see what kind of treasures I've got stored up. That's going to be a pretty cool day. Now, Cross Lane is not a perfect church, but we get some things right. We've got a group of people that are involved in this church that have done some really cool things. Just this year, we've got some pictures we're going to walk through real quick with you. We've, our men's group uh, in the last month has taken on two different projects. They got partnered up with another local church that was an elderly church and needed um, a garage or two re-roofed. And they, 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 our group went out and, and re-roofed this garage for them. They also built a wheelchair ramp uh, for somebody recently. Our women's group, um, they just had an awesome retreat that they went on. And they're not great at taking pictures when they serve. Because I asked Cheryl, I said, hey, you got any pictures of, tell me about some things that the women's group's doing. So I can talk about it in the sermon. And she told me all these things that the women are involved in. But I was like, are there any pictures? She said, no. Like, well, get some pictures for next time. But, so our, but our women's group are crazy involved. They, 
they have service projects all over the place, uh, feeding people, knitting hats and scarves, um, doing all kinds of cool things. So um, if you're not involved in either of the men's or women's groups, man, that's a pretty, pretty great place to start. Um, we had a group of adults that went on a mission trip to Romania recently, serving Jesus around the world. We also took our students to Belize this summer, and that was an awesome trip. Uh, Becky and her team back in the children's ministry are rocking children's ministry. Kids, uh, we, we love kids here, and we, we want to have super awesome, safe uh, children's ministries, and it takes a lot of people um, to teach and lead kids. And so she's doing a great job with them. And then in our student ministry, I just, I, I'm super passionate about uh, our middle school and high school um, student ministry. They're doing some pretty cool things. Uh, Tracy, what a blessing it is to be right next door to Terrytown School. Now, Tracy does something cool called the All Pro Dads thing, which was a thing that I think Tony Dungy started the organization. But it's just, it happens before school. The, the parents get to show up with their kids to the school. They get, a, a, they get a breakfast. And then Tracy gives them some kind of a teaching, a, a helpful parenting thing that the kid and the parents get to talk about in real time. And it makes sense to them. And, and they get to play a game. And that's a, I mean, look at all those parents and kids that show up for that. That's pretty cool. Um, we do a thing called Kids Hope. And we didn't get to, we didn't get to do this last year because COVID is stupid. But they, they let us back in this year, so our Kids Hope Mentoring Program is back in, back in effect, and it's just kids over there, man, there's all kinds of crazy situations that they come from, but sometimes kids just need a friend, an extra friend, or sometimes kids need help with reading or math or whatever, and we, they, Kids Hope is an adult from our church gets paired up with the student over there, and you go in for an hour a week, and you just love on them. And we don't get to talk about Jesus over there, but man, we get to take Jesus with us when we go and we have that hour-long conversation with that child, right, and help him along. That's pretty cool, so um, super proud of our church in that. We did this Hotions for Haitians event, and I, I think the number was 60,000. Tracy, he didn't call me off that. 40,000? 40, 40,000 meals packed. I couldn't remember the number in the first service. We packed 40,000 meals um, to send to Haiti, and good Lord, you know, Pastor Roro was here. I don't know. I missed that Sunday. We were gone to camp, so I don't know how much he talked about Haiti, but man, Haiti's a mess, and they, they just desperately need help like, like that, like that food. I mean, what a God thing that, that that food is on its way or hopefully already there, and they're taking advantage of that, but you guys showed up and packed the, the meals. Uh, Tracy, also led this thing called Serve the Valley, where he took a team of people and just partnered with different community organizations and showed up for an afternoon on a Saturday and helped out. And there was a whole group of people from all over Terre Haute that got to do this, but our church went and represented in that. And it's just, it's just a way, a lot of cool ways, that we get it right, that we work in unity for kingdom purposes and... Uh, Man, good job, church, for, for doing that. That's what we're called to as a church. Th those are the types of things that we're called to, making, using our giftings in service to the king. And if you're looking at some of that and you're like, well, I don't know, I can't do any of that. Man, we need people who pray. 
And maybe, you, maybe you're not capable to go to Romania on a mission trip, but you could fund somebody else that can go. Maybe you've got the means necessary to do that. Maybe you've got the gift of encouragement and you can't go on the trip, but you could encourage those people that are through letters or writing or, or whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of ways. There, whatever your age, whatever your, your health, wherever you're at in your journey through life, there's always a way to get plugged in and pushing the kingdom of God forward in Terre Haute. We need your help. Come join us. We love you guys. Um, I'm going to pray. We'll be done this morning. Thanks for showing up. Let's pray. Hey, God, thank you so much for today, for this group of people uh, that, that showed up to worship this morning and, and, and to learn and grow in our faith. And so just uh, thank you so much for this group of people and for all of the people that were involved in all those pictures that we just showed. And there's so many other ways that we, we could highlight of, of people doing cool things in our church. Thank you for those opportunities. Thank you for people who um, are kingdom-minded and plugging in using their gifts in service to you. We are, I believe with my heart that we are never more like Jesus than when we serve. I thank you for those opportunities for us to step into moments like that. And, uh, and help to push and drive your kingdom forward here in the Wabash Valley. God, we love you so much this morning. We give our day to you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.